0: Well, hello and welcome to Garden Success. I hope you will write down this phone number and give us a call today. We're happy to talk about anything horticulture related. Our number is 845-5689. For those of you outside the area, 979-845-5689. And our email is gardensuccess at tamu.edu, gardensuccess at tamu.edu. Dot edu well uh, we are we are entering into uh, what should be the winter season and it sure doesn't feel like it today right uh, the uh, weather is almost balmy uh, this week some days but it's gonna get cold and uh, I don't know when I wish I had a predictor on that uh, but it will be coming soon and when it does uh, that's about the time people realize oh I got to cover my plants or I got to do some things and they run to the store and the shelves are empty because other people have already come in to try to do the same thing so word to the wise if you don't have something to cover plants that you want to cover if it's going to have a hard freeze now would be a good time one other gadget that i would recommend uh, for high value plants especially uh, is one of those clamp on light Fixtures that has the aluminum shield that goes, you know, kind of shields over the bulb of the light. Uh, Those clamp-on fixtures are really handy, and what they do is they provide a little extra measure of warmth. So let's say you had a citrus tree, and uh, we were going to get down into the 20s, for example, low 20s, and it's not hardy enough for that. Uh, You could put a couple of lights, even 100 watt bulbs or 150 watt flood lights underneath there don't point them at the tissues of the tree the trunk or the leaves point them down uh, kinda toward the ground and let that warmth rise up underneath the cover that you put over now cover needs to very securely uh, seal all the way around the tree to the ground and I you know some people put soil over it you can put cinder blocks whatever you've got to hold it down because when the wind blows it's gonna blow the cover off or it can and Also, air can blow underneath the cover. So the whole purpose of a cover is to hold the warmth of the soil and slow the cooling of the tree down. And if wind blows through, it it does neither very effectively at all. And so you want to bring the cover straight down. Like um, imagine an umbrella. And as the water drips off the umbrella, that's kind of where your cover goes. Don't wrap it around the stem. I call those landscape lollipops. All that's doing is excluding, uh, radiating, rising heat, from getting to the tree. So, straight down to the ground. If you need extra, those clamp lights are wonderful. And again, 100 watt, 150 watt bulbs. It's about all you need under there. What we're not, what we're, what we're trying to do is keep it from freezing to a level that that plant can't tolerate. So uh, it's not going to get warm under there where you would be comfortable in short sleeve shirts. It doesn't need to. It just needs to not go. For some plants, below about 30 degrees, and for others, you know, down in the, the very low 20s, uh, they're hardier. So think about that. Make those purchases now uh, because, trust me, uh, I have more than once been out there purchasing or trying to purchase and then trying to wrap plants when it's cold and windy and uh, not much fun. Well, let's uh, stop now and go to the phones and talk to Mary Jo. Hello, Mary Jo.
1: Hi, Skip. How are you doing today?
0: I'm well, thank you.
1: I have a question about a bur oak that I have. Okay. And what I'm trying to do is the bur oak rarely makes acorns, but this year it has made about six acorns. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to grow another bur oak from one of the acorns. Okay. And I'm wondering if that's possible here in College Station.
0: It is. It is absolutely possible. Acorns are one of the seeds that goes through a cold stratification process. And what that means is uh, that when they fall to the ground uh, in nature, you would have a winter time where it would be cold and where it would be moist. You know, the soil doesn't dry out so fast so they stay kind of cold and moist. Typically they're covered by a few leaves or something else like that. And uh, then the next spring, that um, requirement has been accomplished, and they're ready to sprout and grow. Sometimes they'll even begin growing before spring. Uh, so you want to do the same thing. You could either plant them outdoors in the containers you want to grow them in or in the spot where you want them to grow. And uh, then, you know, after they're up and forming a tree, if they're in containers, you can move them, in, uh, move them to where you want them to plant them. Does, does okay. that help? Mm-hmm
1: it does one of the questions that i have about the acorn is do i plant the whole acorn um you know it has the seed and that has a top to it or do i just take the top off the acorn there's
0: no need to take i mean you can take it off if you want but uh nature can handle that and uh, it does and so i would just plant the whole thing uh you can lay it kind of on its side if you will, if you're wondering which way it goes uh-huh. up. D- not a big yeah. deal, but laying on it, lay it on its side because the way it's going to sprout, that'll work. Uh, just put it a little bit underneath the soil. You don't have to bury it. In fact, you don't want to bury it six inches deep or anything, uh, just a little bit under. And I think you'll find it does well. Now, if you do it in containers outside or even in a flower bed or whatever, wherever you would plant it, you might want to throw some sort of a protection over the top from squirrels. They they love to okay. dig and hunt, and I don't know if they can smell it laying near the surface or what, but I have had several containers where they came along and dug out the acorns in each one and ate them. <laughs> so oh, uh, okay. a little bit of hardware cloth, you know, that mesh wire material uh, that would keep them out. I think uh-huh. that, that would be sufficient, but you don't want them to break your heart.
1: Okay. The, uh, the other question that I have is this was a tree that we purchased for our daughter. So the tree is about thirty years old, mm-hmm. and and so we're we're making a baby from the tree because she's going to have a baby, and uh, so that's kind of having a uh, you know a connection there with trying to grow the tree as she's trying to grow a, tr- a baby, and um, she lives in the Bay Area in California. Okay, do you know if a bur oak would grow in that area as oh, well? Oh
0: boy, that's a good question. Um. You know, to answer you, I would probably just go to a a search engine and type in bur oak uh, native range, uh, and I'm sure you'd get some sort of little map, uh, maybe in the images that that are returned. Uh, That would probably help. Now, will it grow over there? I just don't know. They do grow some oaks that we don't grow here, and I would think that vice versa would be true, uh, but I'm I'm sorry. I, I just don't know offhand. Okay. Let me well, let me give no. you. Yeah, let me okay, give you one other one other thing. If you if you type in bur oak, and then you type in the word site s i t e with a colon after it, and then okay. a period, uh, and I think their websites all end in u c a n r. dot u c a n r. mhm. What does that stand uh, for? .edu, University of California Ag and Natural Resources, I think. But just check me on that. But what you're doing is you're telling Google, I want you to go to all the sites in the University of California Extension System uh, and look for Burr Oak, and that'll nail it okay. real quick. Somebody's probably written about it. So site, for those listening, you can do this with any anything you want to do a restricted search in. S-I-T-E colon... Period. Um, I'll just do a and m. T a m u. dot e d u. Site colon um, period or dot t a m u. dot okay. e d u. And so just do that. I I think it's u c a n r. dot e d u. But check me on it uh, and okay. make sure. Okay. Okay.
1: Thanks, Skip. I really appreciate
0: it. All right, Mary Jo. Thank you for the call. Okay. Right. Okay. Bye bye. Okay, our phone number is 845 5689 or by email at gardensuccess at tamu.edu. Gardensuccess at tamu.edu. I want to talk about a couple of events going on around town. Uh, the Rio Brazos Audubon Society is going to have their monthly Birding 101 walk Saturday. Uh, oh, that one just passed. I'm sorry, I missed it. Uh, looking at the wrong dates. It was December 3rd. But they do that uh, periodically out at Lick Creek Park. And uh, you may want to check out the Rio Brazos Audubon Society and find out other things that they're doing if you're interested in, in birding. Uh, th- those events that they do out at Lick Creek are really nice. Uh, they, You can bring your binoculars. They even have a few loaners on, on hand and you know, you can walk through and hear the birds and see the birds, and with somebody who knows what they're doing uh, to kind of guide and teach you. So I think that's that is a uh, really nice thing. Uh, the Rio Brazos Audubon Society is also having uh, a educational event um, by Tiffany Kirsten uh, in um, 2021. She smashed the big bird year for the lower 48 states by logging an astonishing 726 different species. Wow, she knows how to bird watch. Uh, she's going to talk about uh, ber- birding safety. Uh, she's going to talk about uh, just in general uh, that type of thing, uh, going out and looking at birds. And by the way, this, uh, this meeting will be on December 14th at 6.30 PM at the Museum of Natural History which is out on Briarcrest in Bryan, out uh, just uh, east of the, of the bypass. Uh, they'll have some refreshments on hand. There's no charge for it or anything. Uh, and uh, you can learn more about the Audubon Society uh, at that meeting, December 14th at 6.30 uh, PM. I had an interesting email from Scott. Uh, Scott took a picture of a tree that, if there was such a thing as a Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Plants, this would be the poster tree for it. Uh, basically, the trunk and branches are all there, but every single bit of leaves has been sawed off the ends. It looks like they probably made about 50 cuts. But uh, this tree is just a giant hat rack. Uh, and it, there's, uh, there's a couple of little sprigs of leaves that they somehow missed. Uh, you see all kinds of pruning like this. And in, sometimes, it's done for a purpose. Uh, uh, well let's say a legitimate purpose uh you know it it whoever owns the tree it's their tree i mean they can do what they want uh but in especially in europe things like pollarding the pollarding is is this somewhat similar type of pruning can be done for aesthetic reasons and so on uh here um, 99.9% of the time it's just people that don't know how to prune and uh maybe I don't know, someone drives up with a pickup and a chainsaw, knocks on the door and says, hey, uh, you know, that tree, that big canopy in the wind uh, is more likely for limbs to break or the tree to fall on your house or whatever. So let me go in there and thin it out and so the wind blows through. Well, that is not an arboriculture... Ar- arboriculturally sound practice. That's easy, not easy for me to say. Uh, but anyway, uh, you see that kind of thing done. Now there is some types of pruning that a professional arborist can do that does open the tree up a little and, and allow the breeze to blow through. But in general, we don't need to do that to every tree because trees are made to, to take that kind of, of thing. Uh, Certainly extreme storms come, and they're the exception, but I can't imagine every tree in town being treated like that just in case a storm hits and one would have blown over or something. Uh, But anyway, pollarding is is not a recommended practice. Another version that you see everywhere around town is the idea of cutting crepe myrtles back that way. The people call that crepe murder because essentially they're just pruning off all the branches down to about head high often or as high as your arms and a loppers will reach. Uh, When you do that, the kind of growth you get after you make that kind of, it's called a heading cut, uh, is we call it a crow's foot. In other words, imagine this branch that comes up and ends bluntly like a uh, the top of a, a soft drink can. And out of the ends of that branch, you're going to get a bunch of new sprouting. And they go ever in all directions, and they're very poorly attached because the end of that branch hadn't even healed over. And they are very likely to break off in a storm. When you do that to crape myrtles, about the only benefit you get is you get fewer and larger blooms, Uh, but it ruins the beautiful form of a crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtles have such a gorgeous form, and if they're trained properly, can be very beautiful in the winter without a a leaf on them. And uh, it ruins that form. Uh, So again, plants belong to the people that own them, and they can do what they want with them. But just because you see something done as a horticultural practice does not mean it should be done. Uh, We have many examples of that. Another one are the volcanoes of mulch around trees. You plant a tree and then you pile the mulch up and sort of create the visual equivalent of a volcano of mulch around the tree. Uh, Those lower bark tissues are not made for that kind of keeping them soggy and moist and and so on. Um, The tree often will try to root up into that mulch uh, over time. Uh, But uh, think of the forest. The forest doesn't pile anything up against the bottom of a tree. They drop leaves relatively evenly all across underneath the tree. And uh, and then leaves pile up, but you have this layer of mulch, depending on the kinds of trees and forests and where it is in the world, that is of varying thicknesses. And they decompose slowly over time. And that decomposition creates a very nutrient and micro. Rich environment that the roots really can thrive in. Uh, and that's how trees want to grow. And so we put them in our lawns, but they, if you, if you could get a tree to talk, it would tell you, I hate uh, St. Augustine, Zoysia, Bermuda, you name it. I want to live in a forest with leaves everywhere. And so, uh, anyway, volcano mulch, another kind, maybe you should do a show sometime on bad horticultural practices that we've seen. I don't know, that might be kind of depressing to spend a whole hour talking about that. Well, let's, let's spend the rest of this hour talking to you. Uh, our Garden Success phone number is 845-5689. Or you can reach me by email at gardensuccess at tamu.edu. Gardensuccess at tamu.edu. I appreciate you, Scott, for sending that photo in. Uh, you said it was a shake your head moment, and it it is a shake your head moment. Um, uh, some people, you know, do all kinds of crazy things, uh, but I I I just uh, wish we could stop that. It's one of the reasons why, when you hear me talk about uh, tr- getting tree work done, I I usually say uh, contact a certified arborist because they're the ones who you know. Uh, have been trained. That's how they got their certification. It doesn't mean if someone isn't certified they don't know anything about trees. It certainly not. Uh, But um, there is more malpractice out there than there is proper pruning done. I can just tell you that driving around town and it's not this town only. It's all over the place Uh, because again you know, if you own a chainsaw, and a pickup, you can call yourself a tree service, uh, and we have many good tree services here in the community. Uh, we do have some arbor um, certified arborists. Uh, they're not enough, in my opinion, because the ones we have stay so booked that it's, it people have to be patient and wait a long time to sometimes to be able to get tree work done. But the way you find a certified arborist wherever you're listening, and I know folks are listening from other communities. Uh, Around Texas, and so you go to treesaregood.org. Trees A-R, one word. Treesaregood.org, and on that page is a find an arborist button, and so you can. Um, you know, put in where you live, and I'm willing to go. I want somebody within, I don't know, 20 miles, 50 miles, whatever the the ranges are that are offered to you there, and they will give you a list. And that list will include people who work for private firms, uh, maybe in this case, like work for the university or, or one of the cities. Uh, and so they're not in business to go out and prune your tree. Uh, but uh, that would be one way to find out. But think of it this way. A tree is the most long-term investment that we have in our landscape Uh, and uh, if it was chosen properly it is uh, a species that is going to grow and a hundred years from now be even just stately and beautiful still going so when someone comes in and they butcher that tree for the rest of its life that's what you're going to be dealing with and Amazingly, they can often survive and grow on and and whatnot. But uh, the great beauty, look, think about the most beautiful trees you've seen around town. Uh, Those are trees that just have a beautiful structure and great beauty. And so don't let one moment's bad decision ruin essentially a lifetime uh, of enjoyment of a beautiful tree. Uh, We had had talked earlier about Mary Jo about planting a bur oak and and there are a lot of good species of trees that you can grow here. Uh Burr-Oak's a very long lasting tree, very strong tree. Um, its structure is, is very sound and if properly cared for. And uh, it uh, uh, gr- grows fairly slow though. That's the drawback on burroak, oak is it is they're slow. We can speed up any tree within the range of its genetic potential for that species by providing proper water by getting as much as we can the grass away from it so the competition is not there Uh, by mulching properly a little bit of nutrient uh, appropriate amount and and a way of applying nutrients to the tree Uh, we can speed them up but uh, genetically speaking a bur oak is going to be a slower growing tree we have red oaks that will do well here Uh, a lot of times you know, you know this is—it's kind of like uh, I, I guess with soft drinks, where uh, people say, "You uh, I want a Coke," and what they mean is I want a soft drink, uh, not necessarily a Coca-Cola. That's how I grew up. We called everything Coke, uh, but um, there's brands that stick in your mind, and they become the common thing that everybody looks for. Uh, that makes sense. Well, with Red Oaks, the Schumard is probably the most common famous and available of our red oak species. Uh, Schumards like soils that typically are better than most of our soils around this area. Uh, You may have noticed in your yard that the soil is a heavy clay that doesn't drain super well. Uh, and that's kind of common. And a Schumard would like something better than that. Now, that doesn't mean they won't grow and, and go on. But uh, a better oak for that is the nuttall oak, N-U-T-T-A-L, I believe is how they spell it, nuttall, And it's a type of red oak. But it does well, and even in East Texas areas that tend to be very wet uh, because of the rainfall and, and the topography, uh, the Nuttal oak's available in our area. Uh, And so what I'd recommend is if you're going to plant a tree, uh, talk to someone, a a certified nursery professional, uh, call the Extension Office, AgriLife Extension Office, and let's hear what your goals are, uh, shade, flowers, do you want a big tree, a small tree, so on, and then recommend some species that are going to do the best for you. Uh, I think you would be very, very happy with that. Again, our phone number is 845-5689 and email gardensuccess at Garden gardensuccess at tamu.edu. Uh, I'm going to get back to the emails in just a moment, uh, but uh, we're going to go to the phones and talk to Buon. Hello, Buon. Uh,
2: hi, Steve. Uh, um, uh, I have a question so about uh um, the uh creep myrtle yes. for You so you so you talked about uh, so a few so a few minutes ago, uh said that uh, uh, if you cut like uh, the head high it's not good. Right. Uh, but uh, Do you have a source of where should I get uh, the right information about uh, the trimming, the uh, pluming, the uh, yes. creep, the myrtle?
0: That's good. That's good you're asking. Uh, well, when you're training a crate myrtle, you kind of want to have in mind th- the structure you want that tree to have so you may have a trunk come up out of the ground and then it branches and you don't want all the branches going in one direction you know you want them to evenly somewhat evenly spread out around around the the tree and then each of those will fork into two other branches and so that that's the structure you have uh, and okay. when you have an established crepe myrtle that's been trained properly, pruning is very minimal. Uh, you're pretty much not cutting anything off bigger than a pencil if you're going to prune like oh. that. Uh, and and uh, occasionally we do have to use a saw, but um, it, it's, it, you know, it's not like you see them prune. If you will get on your search engine of choice, Google or whichever one, and type okay. in crepe in murder, uh, and you will then get someone who is on a soap <laughs> soapbox to stop this mispruning, okay. and they will talk to you about what to do. You can also add, as I said earlier, site colon dot edu. And that way you get some of the extension services, including Texas AgriLife Extension. Uh, and one of them is going to have a very good uh, example with pictures and instructions.
2: Okay. Sounds very good. All right. Thank you very much.
0: Well, the the crepe myrtles of the world are so glad to hear that you called and asked that question because. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, so everybody's house has a grease myrtle. Yes. myrtle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm gonna okay.
0: and, and I'm gonna go, but also uh, I'll make some other comments. So keep listening about uh, the crepe myrtles. Thank you, Juan
2: Thank you. Bye for
0: mm. now. Bye bye. When you're buying a crepe myrtle, you can buy it uh, by color and you can buy it by size. And uh, I've got a colony to go to just for a pause, but we're going to come back and talk about that a little bit. But right now, let's go talk to Katie. Hello, Katie.
3: Good morning. This is Katie. Yes. Uh, Once again, I'm back to looking for another tree. And the only place I have seen trees to buy is to go all the way through Bryan to Highway 21 where it crosses Texas. Have, mm-hmm. and I wasn't really sure I could find a tree tree. I found a lot of shrub stuff. okay, so what am I going to put in my for my new tree? When the tree that we talked with you about a month ago, and everyone said it may be dying, but I need another tree just in case. Okay. well, Where do I go now? I've lost track.
0: Yeah. Well, as far as uh, sources, I think you're talking about Producers Co-op when you describe the location, Uh, and they they do get uh, trees in. Uh, Sometimes things are a little bit seasonal. You know, there's a time of year when they have a lot of fruit trees, and then times of year when... You know, there's not a demand for fruit trees as much, and the same would be true for landscape trees. I know the Farm Patch sells a number of different trees uh, here in town, and then you know there there are a lot of nurseries. Some you're going to have to drive some distance to get to, but um, you can find the ones you're looking for. And if you have trouble with a specific one, you know, give me a call at the AgriLife Extension office or an email there, and I'll I can uh, work with you a little bit better on that. What did you have well, questions other a, a than... A moment
3: ago, you said nut all oak. Yes. And I have never heard that or seen it. So where do I go to get a nut all
1: oak?
0: Uh, you know, uh, la- we don't recommend companies and brands and all that kind of thing. But uh, I just can tell you that about a week ago, I was at the Farm Patch and uh, saw, I think it was, we could, anyway, saw some nut all oaks there. So I know that they at least occasionally carry them. But you would have to talk to the businesses uh, and you can ask a business uh, that yeah. uh, you know, like one that you want to go to, uh, say, you know, can you get this tree in? And they yeah. might. Be I know able. the lady.
3: I yeah. know the lady there at Farm Patch, yes. and I will go down there right now. And thank you again for reminding me. And I'm sorry, I'm so old and so forgetful. But uh, met sounded interesting, so I'll ask her about metall as well.
0: Yes, and, and maybe go online too and search for it and learn a little bit about it, and I think you'll you'll find it's good. If 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 it, it is the one I recommend over Schumard in general, uh, in this area.
3: Well, thank you so much and good talking with you again. Have a happy Christmas.
0: All right, Katie. You take care. Thank you. Our phone number nine seven nine eight four five Five six eight nine eight four five fifty six eighty nine, or by email at gardensuccess at tamu.edu. Uh, I was talking about crepe myrtles, and I want to continue on a little bit. When you buy a crepe myrtle, don't just go to a garden center and buy whatever's there. Uh, there are many good crepe myrtles. Uh, some are very resistant to powdery mildew. Uh, one of the groups that is resistant to powdery mildew are crepe myrtles. That the uh, the variety or cultivar name is a Native American tribe, like Natchez or Caddo, uh, for example. Uh, those were bred for resistance to powdery mildew at the USDA by the USDA up in uh, Maryland at a station there. Uh, but there are other varieties that will have some resistance too. But you want to pick one that's the color you want, and you have many color options. Crepes have a pretty wide range, uh, and most importantly one that gets the size that you want. Uh, I, I have something online, I, I believe it's still out there online that I did with uh, Dr. Parsons in San Antonio, and it is a chart of crepe myrtle varieties, and it gives you their height and their bloom color and other information like that about them now a lot of those I did a long time ago and a lot of those are varieties that you may have some trouble finding now but uh, if you will go there if you just go on your search engine and do a search for crepe myrtle skip Richter and that'll get you to that site. I can't remember the URL of it. Uh, but there's a lot of other good information on recommended crepe myrtle varieties. And again, all of our southern extension services, you know, from here all the way across uh, you know, to Florida and Georgia and South Carolina and so on, uh, have pretty good information, some better than others, in terms of finding those varieties. But pick one that gets the size you want. Because we have crepe myrtles that get three feet tall, and we have crepe myrtles that get Thirty-five feet tall, and one of my favorites is Natchez. It's white blooms. You'll see it around town, and the bark is a is a very beautiful cinnamon color bark, uh, not the typical crepe myrtle putty-colored bark that you see. There's well, nothing wrong with that, but uh, Natchez is beautiful. It's a wonderful plant, but it gets thirty-five feet tall. So if you want something on the corner of your house that's twelve to fifteen feet, uh, you know you're going to fight it every year with pruners trying to keep it that size. But you could choose instead one that gets the size you want. And they don't. when you buy crate myrtles, they don't uh, sell them with a free saw that goes along with them. And uh, that ought to tell you something, I guess. Uh, the, 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 pick the size you want. All right, I think I've been on that topic for long enough. Um, let's see. Uh, our phone number, 845-5689. And we're going to now go and talk to John. Well, hello, John.
2: Well, hello, Skip. And I want to get one of them crepe myrtles that gives me a free saw. I like that.
0: No, there's none of those. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, too bad. Too bad. I just wanted to say it's been beautiful weather. I'm enjoying it so much. Good to hear your show again. I have a question and a comment. All right. My first question is plant. the name of a flowering, beautiful plant. They're all over town and they're hardy, and they grow very well, and they'll, they'll last through any kind of weather, it seems, and then pop up with beautiful, different colored flowers. Some of them are orange and white. Some of them, oh, and they'll come up waist-high, and they'll go up to your head height. They're big, nice, big leaf plants. Uh, some of them have red and white plant uh, flowers, and I've heard people call them, and I've often referred to them as kind of like a lily or a not a calla lily, but it's it's kind of a name like that. Calendar calla, something. Do you Boy, have any idea what I'm describing?
0: You are you are stumping me. My imagination can't quite picture uh, as you described that and the different aspects of it. I, I just am not picturing something. I probably got a. Call. They're
2: very hardy plants. They do not need water all the time. It seems they flourish when you do remember to water them. They'll shoot up out of the out of the ground if you just have you know root systems or if they get mowed over, they're just never quitting type of flower plants. Their leaves are big like banana leaves almost they're really wide green long leaves, and then they have a stalk that comes up and they put out like uh oh sometimes groups of of uh four or five different flowers that that pop open with a burst of colour. Uh, and the, and it's about the, the palm of your hand, the, the the flower. Nothing comes to mind. Oh,
0: I think I know what you're talking about. Finally, finally, something uh, clicked with the co- all the comments and descriptions. Uh-huh. I think you're talking about cannas Can- that's, cannas That's it. That's yes. it. That's uh, it. Okay. I've I, never I known thought... what
2: to call those things, yes. and I've heard people. Okay. Thank you so much. I am I am already richer for the calling you. And and my <laughs> second thing to say is what is with the weather my plants <laughs> i i got tomatoes a plant i thought the tomato plants were gone yeah and i just all of a sudden was clearing the brush i let the volunteers grow and these big bushy things come up i don't even mess with them until right. i really want to do something with the garden and all amongst them i i mean these are like Larger than a golf ball, almost a baseball—not quite that big—but yes. these big green tomatoes. All of a sudden, I'm going. Where did those come from?
0: Yeah, I don't. You know, our weather is that way, and uh, just be glad you have it. And when the first frost is gonna or freeze is gonna show up, uh, pick them and get them inside because they'll finish ripe. Those fruit will finish ripening. Hey, I want to go back to the uh, canna you. and make a comment. Yes. Uh, canna's Brilliant. have have blooms, and they are pretty. Uh, but uh, cannas also come in forms with beautiful leaves. There's some types that have deep burgundy leaves. Uh, There's some type that have striped green and yellow leaves, Uh, and there's one called, uh, the proper name is phasian, but I think it's sold as tropicana, um, that has leaves that I don't even know how to describe them. They they have coral and, and a Purplish pink, uh, you know, just Ooh. all kinds of colors. in about do do I? am recommending search engines today a lot, but uh, just search for Tropicana, Canna, uh, Tropicana, Canna, right. and and is look
2: two N's in Kana, Canna, C A N N A. Yes,
0: sir. And uh, okay. if you do that, uh, it's beautiful. And so the reason I I wanted to come back and mention that is uh, for a, a lot of folks when it gets hot around here we don't always have as many blooms as we want. So some really bold tropical leaves colors can add to the landscape, even when there's not a, a bloom on the plant. So before just buying whatever can is for sale, uh, you know, look into that and decide what you like. I like the kind uh, that uh, that have the striped leaves among the other types I mentioned. Uh, when the sunlight comes through them, it really lights up. Uh, it's really beautiful uh, and so Anyway, just wanted to offer that wow. last tidbit.
2: I love that idea, I, you know, because when the flowers are gone, you've got these pokey things sticking up right. and the leaves are just green. But with the colorful leaves, that would really still be nice. Right. Well, thank you so much again.
0: Thank you, John. Appreciate the call. Appreciate it. Our number is 845-5689, 845-5689, or by email at gardensuccess at TAMU. Dot edu. I want to go to an email I got from Tad and uh, Tad is going to be they're building uh, a new home and uh, they had some questions and, and as I read through them what I'm understanding is they want to protect some trees that are that are there on the site uh, when the construction uh, process goes on and uh, just without going through all the details uh, basically recommendations on how you go about that. Well let me make it some general comments about trees that will then lead us to how to take care of them. Uh, when a tree grows, its root system reaches out beyond the drip line, or again, using the umbrella analogy, beyond where the edges of the foliage of the top of the tree are. So... Uh, they have traced out. Uh, when I was in school, we learned about it. pecan trees tracing out what two and a half times the height of the tree in all directions. That the, actually the roots. Uh, now, when you get out past the drip line, the concentration of roots in any given area of soil is, is much lower. Of you know, as you go further and further out, but those roots reach far. But if we can at least protect the roots to the drip line, uh, then the construction damages that occur from trenching, from um, compaction of the soil uh, and so on, uh, we can avoid those in that area. So that's typically done with fencing. Uh, If you cannot fence an area, uh, at least put some uh, like two by four strapped all around the trunk just to prevent bumper blight uh, as, you know, a pickup or something hits it about knee-high, you, you see trees often with bumper blight uh, post-construction. Um, if you've got to drive through an area where there are trees, uh, if you're putting down sheets of plywood to drive across, or a very thick mulch, you know, like imagine, you know, a foot deep, uh, of bark mulch through an area, and the and the vehicles drive across that, and that's almost like a snowshoe in spreading out the weight and and not causing the significant compaction that you know two vehicle routes going back and forth and back and forth uh, can cause. Uh, and then of course after the construction, you want to rake all that mulch out and in fact use it around the trees. But there are several strategies for that. If you have to do trenches, uh, Tad, uh, try to as much as you can, keep them away from the trunk. Because I described the roots going out in all directions. So imagine uh, the tree roots, uh, you are like you're standing over a pie, and the trunk is in the middle, and, and the roots are going everywhere, and you were to cut that pie. The closer you cut to the center, the more of the, the roots are going to be cut off. And, and lost. So with every little bit that you move away from the center running a trench, uh, you gain a lot uh, more of the root system in terms of having it protected and not lost. Uh, when you have to do two trenches, don't put one on one side of the trunk and one on the other side of the trunk, because then you essentially cut off, depending on how far it is, you know, 80% or 90% of the roots. Uh, put them whatever distance is required by regulations apart. Uh, But if you're going to go out and put one trench, then just go out a little further and put the other trench. And so I realize that the lay of the land and all kinds of things affect all these recommendations. But I'm just giving you some principles to think about uh, to protect those trees because they are valuable. Uh, Another thing that helps is the first stressful season, summer season, uh, either during the construction process or after, occasionally, not often, but in the absence of rain, going out to that area that you have walled off and protected uh, and giving it a good soaking with irrigation. This would be especially true if you've lost a lot of roots. Uh, Then the roots that remain aren't also dealing with the uh, stress of drought. And so you keep them adequately hydrated uh, and this doesn't mean watering every day or every week. Even uh, it's just an occasional good soaking uh, in the absence of rain. Uh, and so those are those would be some of the principles, Ted, that I, I think uh, I would look at. Uh, I, if your question, if you, there's more to to it than I've answered, just please feel free to reply back and and let me know. I had a question from Matt on email, too, uh, about post oak acorns. It seems to be a year where post oak acorns are everywhere. Uh, You just feel the crunching as you you walk across the driveway or the yard. Uh, Acorns on on oak trees are are produced uh, in different frequency with different general groups of oaks. Uh, I think the the post oak uh, is one that can produce acorns on an annual basis if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's true. And uh, the the red oaks typically because the acorn production is a longer process, it may be more of an uh, every other year, every three years. But a lot of that depends on the conditions, uh, the tree conditions and the, the weather, the soil and so on can affect the frequency of how acorns are produced. And I am not an oak acorn expert by any means, uh, but just know that different groups of oaks, uh, their frequency varies, and then uh, there's just going to be some years where we just have that huge deluge of of acorns coming out of the the oak trees. Uh, So it doesn't necessarily mean that anything is wrong with the tree. Uh, or anything like that. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about vegetables uh, today. You know, our our winters are so mild that we can grow a garden 12 months out of the year here. There are a couple of challenges. And I like to say we have two dormant seasons. One is in the winter and one is in the summer. uh, Because sometimes, and this year was an example, trees even lost leaves and had to regrow back out again uh, after the summer heat and drought. Uh, but uh, we can do things in those two seasons to help the plants. But let's talk about the winter a little bit because that's the season we're entering. Uh, the cool season here is a mild cool season. Most of our cool season crops, our plants, for, and the winter vegetable garden can take the cold that we get most of the days in the winter. Uh, Some winters, we have a very severe cold, like February 21. We got down, what, 7 degrees or whatever it was in your area. Uh, That's just really unusual. Uh, But most winters, you can have a pretty hard freeze that comes in, and you might want to protect your plants during that. The condition of the plant, whether it's a vegetable garden or any plant, uh, the, the health and condition of the plant and the age of the plant affect its cold hardiness. So if you put out little tiny seedlings and then you just get this really bad freeze, well, that they're not going to be as resilient maybe as an, an older plant. If a plant is weak for whatever reason, it's not going to be as resilient, most likely. Uh, and so that we want to take good care of them. But I love the winter garden. I think it is just a wonderful time uh, to grow things. Uh, we have that whole group of vegetables that we call coal crops or cruciferous vegetables. Um, and that would be, I, I think the, I like to call them the blue leafed vegetables. That would be like kale and cabbage and cauliflower and kohlrabi and what else am I forgetting, collards, and uh, let's see, broccoli, and so on. Uh, Those are are quite hardy plants. And uh, when I have a good hard freeze, I will throw something over my plants to protect them. Even if it's just a light cover, just uh, as the frost forms, it tends to form on the cover rather than on the plants. So we can grow those here. But now would be a time when you can continue planting all of those. Uh, we we can plant them all winter. The best time is back in September and October for planting most of those. Uh, and the reason is that during the milder days, once the brunt of summer is gone, uh, those milder days, these crops can grow quite fast. They don't want it to be 35 degrees to grow. In fact, when it really gets colder here, They just kind of go on hold and they don't develop much. And so, some broccoli that you planted in September, you're already enjoying the harvest of. Broccoli that are just about to, and broccoli that you would plant now, uh, if we have a very cold rest of December and January, it may be a little further on before it reaches the point of uh, productivity. Uh, But you can still plant. All of the cool season leafy greens, spinach, and lettuce, uh, arugula would be another example. And actually, there's there's a number of different cool season greens. Um, sorrel is another one that I like to grow. It's it's not so much a cool season uh, as the others, but uh, sorrel's a really good green green that grows here. Mosh, also called corn salad, uh, grows in the cool season. Uh, so all of those can still be planted and harvested. Um, just remember when you plant those things, think about how much of them you eat. Uh, I have been to gardens where there was a, you know, 10-foot long or longer bed of lettuce. Now, think back over the last two weeks. How much lettuce have you eaten? Uh, And so how much would you have wanted to have reached peak maturity in your garden at that time? You see what I'm saying? So you want to be able to uh, plant in small amounts, Periodically, so there's always some coming on, and don't, don't just uh, you know just because there's x number of seeds in a packet doesn't mean that's how many needs to go into your garden on the day you plant. Keep that in mind. I think you'll you'll do really well. Uh, we're about to when we get through the the the. Um, end of the year, we're going to start planting a lot of other things like uh, onions and so on. Uh, but uh, this is just a good time for a lot of the cool season cool season plants. Uh, it's a little late now to plant uh, the cool season peas like English peas, snow peas, and snap peas. The plants are pretty hardy, but the, the, the blooms are and, and little peas are not that form after the bloom. Uh, and so unless you can cover them, uh, they're not going to do well. And they're basically going to sit there at this point. So I, w- I wouldn't use up garden space. And then finally, we have the, the uh, root crops like carrots and radish and turnips uh, that all can be planted now. Just be ready to throw a cover over them on those nights when it drops down, uh, you know, at least a few degrees below freezing and uh, kind of protect them during that time. If you haven't tried... Um, the If you haven't tried all of these different cool, cool season crops, you need to try more and spread out your, your palate. I've talked on, on here before about uh, many Asian vegetables that are all in that mustard family that I was mentioning, the blue leaf vegetables, the coal crops. Uh, mustard is another one that I should have mentioned in the greens. Uh, that uh, A lot of the Asian vegetables, bok choy. Uh, would be an example. Um, there is a, a, a Chinese cabbage uh, that, or that's a, one of the general terms for it. And it is to describe it, it it's crunchy and it forms big heads, barrel-shaped heads often. Uh, and so, but when you eat it, it's kind of in between cabbage and lettuce. You know, you you wouldn't overdo most salads with cabbage, uh, but Chinese cabbage provides crunch, kind of like a romaine would. But it it has that family flavor to some degree, but it's very mild, and and I think people ought to try growing those. Bok choy is really fast. Uh, there's there's another uh, vegetable uh, that is a cross between tatsoi and oh my gosh, I can't think of the other one, but it's called chi uh, jimsai by by some uh, seed companies, and it's it's very mild and good, and so, Get out there and explore, try them out. You might find a new vegetable that you love and we're in that season when it is so easy to garden. It's mild, it's pleasant to be out. Uh, There's good sunshine. If the spot was a little shady during the year, maybe now the leaves have fallen off the tree and you can grow even better in that spot with more hours of sunlight. So take advantage. If you don't have a garden, then have a container garden. Uh, If you have nothing other than a five-gallon bucket, drill about eight quarter-inch holes in the bottom of the bucket so you know it drains well. Fill it with a good quality potting soil and go for it. You can grow stuff in that. Or choose something very beautiful, uh, you know, one of the nice glazed pottery pots. But vegetables can be grown any time. And by the way, we we have a a vegetable garden chart that I created on the Master Gardener website. And uh, the chart is... um, uh, kind of a checkerboard of all the vegetables going down the left column and all the months going across the top. And it shows you exactly when the best time and okay times and don't plant it times are for each of those vegetables. And so I encourage you to check that out and let it guide you, especially if you moved here from somewhere else, uh, that, that will help, help you, uh, acclimate to our, our, uh, uh, local weather conditions. Our phone number is 979 845 5689, or you can email me at gardensuccess at Gardensuccess at edu. We would look forward to uh, hearing from you uh, on, on that. Uh, Let's see, I mentioned the bird walk and other things. Um, A couple of other things happening in town. On November 17th, which is a Thursday, there's a joint meeting of the Brazos Valley Chapter of the Texas Master Naturalists and also the Post Oak Chapter, which is our local chapter of the Native Plant Society. Oh my gosh, I had the wrong date on here. Excuse me, I'm, I'm pretty bad about that. Uh, so let me just, the only thing I have left then uh, is the, the things from November. So let's go onto the phone, stop that business, and talk to Sherry. Hello, Sherry.
4: Hi, Skip.
0: Thank you for calling and saving me for stumbling over myself there.
4: <laughs> well, you're always so helpful. Um, I have a question back to oak trees for a minute. We have some fairly long, really established, Um, oak I'm not sure what type of oak they are but they're near to the house and um, they tend to be two large um, trunks coming off maybe the same general area toward the ground Mm -hmm. and two of them one of the branches one of those side trunks has the leaves turned brown long before fall and they kind of turned brown crisped up and my husband thinks trees are dead and wants to cut them down i think we should wait until spring and see what happens what is your expert opinion
0: uh let me let me ask you a couple of questions about them are these are these oaks that have that normally have leaves in the winter or normally drop them in the winter
4: the rest the trunk that was still green is dropping its leaves okay. so i don't
0: think it's a live oak okay Uh If you look at the leaves, and and this may be hard kind of to remember you know, we don't pay attention to the details sometimes, but uh, the leaves, if you imagine them like a hand with lobes on the leaves, uh, are the ends of the fingers rounded or pointed? Rounded. Okay. So what you've got is some type of a a white oak. Uh, If it's a post oak, there are not many lobes. Uh, they are big fat lobes and not many of them. Uh, Some of the other white oaks have more lobes on them. Uh, but uh, in general, the, the trees that do what you described, if if it was well before the end of the year, uh, it's, it's probably a bad sign. Now, the severe drought we had caused significant defoliation. And so I don't want to give up on the tree just yet. But um, the thing that makes me not so confident is that you have more than one tree there. And if it was drought, then all of them should have been going through a similar uh, condition. So I would wait until spring and see if it comes out. But my guess, if I were to kind of flip a coin or whatever and give my best guess, I I think you you may have lost that section where it defoliated early and didn't come back.
4: So the best way to care for if it doesn't come back in the spring is the best way to care for it to remove that side lobe and then do we have to cover with tar or anything other part, other trees we've cut large branches off
0: I would give the tree some time to, to answer that question for you uh, you may see some trunk sprouting uh, further down on the trunk uh, but the bigger the cut you make the sl- slower it's going to be to heal and if these oh. trees are of some size, uh, old trees don't heal very fast. Uh, they, they're very slow to heal compared to young, vigorously growing trees. Um, we don't recommend painting cuts because the, the, um, the, you mentioned black tar or whatever, that material ends up cracking or pulling away and moisture gets behind it and then it serves to keep that wood wet and, oh. uh, and increase the speed of decay back in there. So uh, in general, I wouldn't do that. But if you've got a cut that's, let's say, you know, 12 inches across or 10 inches across, uh, that's going to be a very slow to cover back over with callus tissue cut. And uh, there's just not a good a good answer to that. Uh, you might send, you could send me some pictures of it, of the, sure. of the two trees. Uh, it's not going to be as easy for me now that the leaves are falling off even the other trees but um, maybe in the spring if you wanted to send some pictures that would be a good thing okay
4: perfect thank you so very much
0: all right sherry thank you for the call i appreciate that bye 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 well you've been listening to garden success and we're here every thursday from 12 to 1. Uh, by the way i hope you really enjoyed uh, the thanksgiving show uh, with Dr. Angel Helms. I think that was really fascinating. If you missed it, go back and listen to it because it was really good. And we also had a great one, uh, I, think, I guess it was last week, uh, with um, um, one of our uh, plant pathology specialists in Extension, uh, Dr. Dave Apple. And that's another one worth going back and listening to. All of our past shows are available online. And remember that you can listen live on your computer also. Or you can subscribe to Garden Success on your podcast app. Look for Garden Success, and you can receive it that way. I love podcasts because driving down the road, I can listen at any time I want to. Well, thanks for joining us today, and we'll talk to you again next week.